This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gorin from the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness. And we also give you the best gym songs every week, the Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. Welcome back to episode 53 of the Strategy of Fitness podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorn and Rob Roland. What's up, boys? Hey, I'm having a great night here. Just had a high noon. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. We had football back on Sunday. Life doesn't get any better. What are we doing? That was a real creepy hay there, but I like it. Yeah, well, speaking of creepy, <laughs> let's dive right into the issue of the day. And it's your neighbor big time you draining his pool, Dan, in your front or backyard. Uh, explain this to us. <laughs> yeah. So I get a call. Like I'm calling my way home from work and I don't get home till late. And Leah tells me that the neighbor, so I was asking the, the strategy fitness boys for advice and you guys could chime in as listeners, but the neighbor, and I think that here's what it's premeditation. Like if he was on trial for murder, this would be premeditation because he has a slit in his fence where he takes the hose and he's taking his pool and discharging his pool in my lawn. He's got a hose coming through the fence to our yard and he's just unloading his pool, his whole pool water in my yard. And I, and Leo's like, like, that's kind of fucked up. And I'm like, we're both kind of talking. Like I've never been in this situation before. We're like, that's pretty messed up that you would just unload your pool in my yard. So I guess I'm gonna have to alpha dog him. I don't know what the, what the punishment's going to be, but strategy of fitness universe, <laughs> if you have any good ideas, like I feel like I want to punk him or do something really funny, but I want to be clever about it. So and probably don't want to get arrested, but I'm, I'm open to suggestions. So it's the equivalent of him taking out his unit and peeing on your shoe. And then once you notice he doesn't stop and he just keeps peeing. Yeah. Like, is that disrespectful? Like, as I think about it more, it is the biggest fuck you can do. I'm actually really pissed. Oh, it would be too. Do you know this? I mean, have you guys talked, you shook hands, they bring you a pie or anything when you were new to the area or what's up? No. So, I mean, so he's backed up to the backyard Right. And like, I don't ever interact with him or see him. So he just, he's like one of the three, we have a huge backyard and he's one of the three fences that's linked to our backyard. Liam met him when we moved in. Apparently he's nice, but I'm going to have to pee in his pool. We'll see. Well, he's got an above above ground pool, obviously. So he doesn't really matter. (laughs) That's a good point too. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what this guy's deal is. I'm going to, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get creative with this one. So if you guys have any suggestions, you know, for anywhere from the Billy Madison flaming dog, poop to yeah i'm up for anything so i think if he refills his pool you go hatch it to the side of the pool right to that <laughs> shitty vinyl and drain that thing again <laughs> just while he's up, in baby. it while he's in it 
<laughs> oh gosh. There is some great videos too of like, they'll have like a, you know, bigger person and they'll do like a, a falling out of the pool. And you ever seen the whole pool collapse, like the vinyl siding collapses. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm seeing that situation, which would be fucking hysterical. So maybe we'll wait till next summer. I'm putting this one. Cause again, you know, the water dries, you know, I, I think we'll be fine. I don't think there's a flooding situation, but feelings don't dry and feelings don't. Uh, <laughs> so I'll be ready for next summer when this hall uh, fills this fucking pool back up. Hey, what would Frat Dan do is the real question. Uh, That's some foreshadowing for the episode Foreshadowing for the episode, but I will say that the summer that I lived in Dewey was summer of five, and there was a, (laughs) the frat house I was in, we had a volleyball court in the backyard, like a sand volleyball court. So a couple of the guys bought one of those, not quite a vinyl pool, but like something between the little pool and like the vinyl pool. (laughs) Needless to say, that thing tempted more Gettysburg townspersons than you would like to imagine. And it did not end well. I think there might've been a lawsuit involved. So definitely don't buy a pool at a frat house backyard in a sand volleyball pit. Oh God, no. uh, Moral. So yeah, that's a little, little, little teaser there. Yeah, there you go. Anything worth noting for the, for the week boys workout wise? I had stupid ass Fran. It's my least favorite workout. My time suck. You know, it was better than the last time. You know, it's going down every time. So let's I talk think, about this. Yeah, I, yeah. I completely forgot that you did that. Yeah. Uh, you didn't have a lot of time at the gym. You said, I'm going to go hit Fran real quick. What was your strategy going in? How did you, did you stick to it? Yeah. So the last time I did Fran, and I'll, I'll tell you times here, and I know this is embarrassing. This is like sharing my, my weight or like, you know, something on the podcast, but I, I did a 623 the last time I did France. It's been about a year. The first time I did it was like 950, something like that, 623. And then on Saturday, I did 536. So it's gotten better each time. And none of those numbers are great. But last time I did, it, I just remember doing like 18 thrusters out the, out of the gate and just completely died. So I think this time I overpaced where I went that classic eight, you know, seven, six, you know, and then just kind of hung in there on the pull-ups. I think I had like 14 pull-ups and then seven and then kind of do that throughout. I, I think my breaks were a little too long. I think I paced it a little too much, but, but I hit Fran. It, it's, it's, it's a horrible workout for me. I'm not good at thrusters. Thrusters kill me and pull-ups kill me and the shorter sprints are rough for me. So, and I started working on the butterfly pull-ups. So I'm going to try to do those and try, try to break five. I think it's a good goal. Good. And how was the bench? Your bench is coming close. I know it. Yeah, man, hit it a three reps at 205. Like I said, I'm hitting 165 now. My volume works. So I'm going for so I hit 13 reps at 165, which is is good for me. So the bench is bench is really feeling great. My wrist is feeling really solid. And and thanks guys for the programming on the bench. I'm feeling really good. And hope I'm gonna the 26, me and Nick are gonna be working out together, hopefully giving you some content. So just see how that 225 bench can hit on that date. What about you, Nick? What'd you get into? Or Rob, let's start with Rob. First, because he's well, since the there. bench is going up and we're on video tonight, can you give us like a pec flex? Or what do we got working with? We got any meat up top? Make them dance. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was muted there, but yeah, no, nothing really, dude, nothing much. I'm, I, I suck, man. I'm <laughs> self conscious. <laughs> Rob, would you hit anything good? Well, it's become de facto which, which interval did I do this week? <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the coolest chart I've ever seen. It looks like yeah, Bailey's charts back in the background that you guys are making. I got, I got like, three pages of this, man. I log all of them. So there, there's one that, that comes up every once in a while. It's like a 30 on, 30 off. And it's one I used to do on the rower and try to hit 150 meters every time. And I would go for like 30 minutes of that. So I was doing it on the bike. Week one, I did this. I was averaging like 369 watts output. And I did it on Saturday. And I was averaging like 430. So we're getting, we're getting some output for 24 minutes of just 30 on, 30 off. So I'm thinking I got my 10-minute test coming up here. 
in a week and a half. It's 360 watts or bust. I gotta, I gotta make a big improvement. And then Sunday night, I just did like a, a CrossFit style watt. So I'd have something to talk about because I hate talking about this every week. So that Rogue Invitational a few months ago, I watched that and they had the D-ball and they were doing like this squat clean with it. And I've always had it in the back of my head. So I tried that with a workout on Sunday and that was pretty humbling, man. That's a, that's a high skill movement trying to clean it to your off shoulder. So I would do like 10 cleans, 15 push-ups on the ball, and then 50 doubling or just five times through. And that, that smoked me, man. Cleaning that D-ball is not fun. Squat clean, right? Yeah, it yeah. doesn't feel right for me. Very strange. I can't imagine with the 150. With the 100, it was, it was tough enough. Yeah, no good. No good. No good, no good, no good. That's good. There we this go, is, Nick. This good is speaking. Uh, the, uh, the, the, first, the first question that Rob gets in the Psycho Award, you know, when he gets admitted finally, is going to be, you know, where is your concept to bike erg spreadsheet from 2020 <laughs> they'll just pull it right out that is some hey, psycho shit mara gave me the clipboard and i got a hook you can it's see beautiful. back there where it's it hangs behind my bike for the listeners it looks like a very decorated army or navy soldier what they wear on their, yes. on their chest <laughs> he's like a G- general mattis over there yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ludicrous. Looks like the most gnarly chest plate you've ever seen, and it's a little <laughs> color coding, so you can make make sense of it. The beauty of doing this over video every once in a while, very fun. My good one, and I shared it with Rob, Psycho Rob, and he told me how to tell him what he would like, and he referred to me as suit, like fucking Billy <laughs> Walsh in Entourage, talking down the E. You don't know my lane, suit. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Thirty minute AMRAP. 1,000-meter bike, 300-meter ski, and three sandbags over the shoulder. So one at eight rounds, got eight rounds. Just, I'm not good at that bike. And it really frustrates me every time I'm on it because I know you're getting better at it. And I'm just like, just I'm kind of mopey on that thing right now. But one of these days, I'll get better. Son of a bitch. It's boring getting better at it. Keep doing what you're doing. It's more exciting. That's true. I mean, yeah, I know. But I just... You're crushing it, and for some reason, I think of you when I'm on the bike. It's just it's un- <laughs> it's, it's, it's unnormal. It's not right. What Rob do? Rob's watching. <laughs> <laughs> cool. This week, great guest Todd Gambino, and he is really fun. The Red Gorilla on Instagram. Check him out. Yeah, Red Gorilla. I think it's a great interview. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness Podcast, Todd Cambio. What's going on, man? Yeah, not much. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. I think one of the one of the fun things about kind of Instagram and social media is I didn't even know who you were like a week or two ago. And somehow the algorithms aligned and next thing you know, we're chatting tonight. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. That stuff works. Pretty cool. So awesome. Yeah, so it set the scene just for you now that we're a little in person. I'm Nick Cressy. I'm the one who's been reaching out to you, Dan Warren yes. and Rob or the physical therapist of the bunch. But hey, we always start off when we have a guest. What was the workout like today? <laughs> today was actually a relaxed day. Today was simply a run through the woods and then a little dynamic stretch and a little yoga stuff to cool down. That was pretty much it. So Tuesday, Thursdays are my relaxed day. Relaxed, but they're not off days, right? No, not off days. No, no. no off days. <laughs> All right, cool. And then what, what's, what's workout, you know, what, what do the other five days look like? Break it down kind of, you know, your modalities right now. Yeah. So Monday is my heavy day. It's a, it's deadlift day for me. I start the week off with that. I do deadlifts, presses, and pull-ups. That's basically the big three. 
generally it's kettlebells for the the pressing now i'm starting to do loaded pull-ups singles with i'm up to a 24 kilo bell so mm. happy about that because i'm not the lightest fella so <laughs> that's my monday wednesday is pretty much all kettlebell base you know anything complexes to swings to you know simple and sinister type stuff and then i tend to friday go more body weight based you know suspension type training stuff just right now that's where i'm at that's great, man. And, you know, like Nick said, you know, I was, you know, kind of Nick came across your page and, you know, we've all kind of agreed, like, this would be a great guy to get on, kind of get his insight. And one of the things I really love about your programming is, is you seem to work with a variety of clients, both people who are younger, people who are older, people who are professional athletes, people who are, you know, youth athletics, or just people who want to get in better shape. So explain to me some of the clients you've really had a great time working with and who you're enjoying working with right now. I know you have kids as well, too. So if you want to yeah, well, the kids are it. I mean, the kids are what got me in the business. The kids are what started my business when I owned my gym. And they are who I've always enjoyed training through the years the most. Just because I, I love sports. I was always an athlete. And I love watching them progress and grow and go into their games and their matches. And it's just, just awesome. So that is by far and away the number one thing. My number one client is, is the kids, the athletes. I mean, yes, there's other, there's other athletes, you know, people, regular mom and dads, just regular people want to get in shape. But yeah, the athletes are where it's at for me. Kids. Yeah, I think that that population, especially as I grow older and have my own kids, it's so rewarding to see that growth and that development. It really, you know, if you if you connect with one in 10 of them, you could really change somebody's life. You know, not to say that you can't do the same with an older adult, but, but if you hit somebody that's 15 or 16, you can get that, spark that fire in them. You could you could keep that fire going for fifty years, you know, and and that's really something special. Yeah, no, exactly. Just light them up and let them go. Hopefully, they take it with them wherever they go. That's kind of what I'm hoping. And Todd, you you mentioned kettlebells a lot in your weekly routine. We talk about kettlebell training just because we think it's so important. Like especially quarantine at home, it's such a versatile tool. So tell us about why why you use kettlebells. Give us give us the sales pitch um, on the kettlebell. I, I got into them for the fact that I couldn't do Olympic lifting anymore. It just, just too many injuries, you know, my shoulders a little beat up, a couple surgeries. I have this weird, weird bump right here. So if I power clean with a bar, <laughs> it hits it and then it blows up like a golf ball, it drives me up a wall. So I just, and then my lower back started hurting with, with snatch work. So I just, I saw these bells. I saw people going overhead with them and I'm like, ah, I was actually introduced to CrossFit to kettlebell. So I learned the American swing first. I didn't feel any better on that at all with yeah, my shoulder impingements and, and the lower back going overhead with that. It just, it didn't seem right. And I'm just like, why do people like these things? So I just looked, I did research and found Pavel and I was like, oh, this is a bit different. And I started working with, you know, I bought, you know, Enter the Kettlebell classic book and I just kind of learned from that. And I realized that everything was coming out of the hinge position. Everything was powerful. Everything was like my linebacker stance in football. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. This makes a little more sense to me. Yeah, I just started going through the ranks. It took, you know, my first course through uh, HKC, through Dragon Door with Pavel. And when he split off, I, I kind of followed him through Strong First. And now I teach for him. Awesome. Love bells. Yeah. So you're actually formally trained. Are either of you two actually formally trained on that stuff? I'm, I'm surely not. I just kind of swing them around. I don't have the certification. I've done some Strong First stuff. I've never done any of the Dragon Door stuff, but... Like I've worked a little bit with Brett Jones. I know he's he's big in that world, but never had the pleasure of meeting Pavel. He's our, he's our chief. 
<laughs> is there is there like one gold star if you had to pick one if you were just going to send someone to go get certified or or learn? Oh yeah, no, it's always strong first. I follow Pavel; he's the source. He's kind of the godfather of kettlebells in this country, at least to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say Pavel. I was introduced to him by a coworker, Spencer Trito, who I worked with in Baltimore, and kind of opened my eyes to a lot of Pavel's teachings and and really fascinating stuff. And yeah, like like you said, Nick, gold standard is a great word. I think he is the gold standard. I think what he does and his kind of teachings and even his teachings about kettlebell. Like I talked about the book, Naked Warriors, a fascinating book yeah, too, or just yeah. the body weight training. And, yeah. and you know, there, there's certain things you can criticize Russia for, but their kettlebell training sure shit isn't one of them. Yeah, no, I love it. Love it. So. Awesome. So Todd, we, we always like to kind of where you're at today and then we like to go backwards a little bit. So yeah. you've already kind of laid that groundwork that you were an athlete growing up. So yeah. you're a bigger dude, right? Yeah. Were you were you football player, wrestler, I'm assuming? Yeah, I was football. I was football, basketball, baseball growing up. And then I got involved in BMX. And I did that for years, oh, a top-ranked national competitor. And then I had to give up BMX because <laughs> my other love, football. My football coach told me to stop riding those tricycles or else he wouldn't play me. So I put the bike down for quite a while, finished my senior year, went to college, played a year or two there, hurt my shoulder a few times, and then kind of just stopped football and got back into bike race. And then I was doing downhill mountain biking and dual slalom and thought I was, and BMX again. I went back to BMX, thought I was going to be a pro racer. And then life happens <laughs> and you change career paths. And I decided to become a high school teacher, a high school football coach and a strength coach. And then I kind of went down that path through NSCA becoming a CSCS. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool pass. And I was going to say, how is the experience of BMX and some of those, you know, it's tough to say because I think we've all been there, but I don't think that there's a failure not being the best BMX racer in the world. But I'm sure there's been ups and downs in football and in BMX. How's that prepared you with dealing with these kids and kind of setting them up? You're like, yo, this, this is your season. This might be one game, but that that opportunity, you know, it only comes around so often and, you know, you gotta, you gotta really treasure it. And, you know, how has that molded you as a coach and a teacher? Well, it's just experience. You learn, you know, yeah, you win some, you lose some, you win with dignity, you lose the pride, all that stuff. And you just, I think an accumulation of life experiences helps you deal with kids. Cause you know, I was a multi-sport athlete, played different, different sports, different there's just a different feel for football compared to BMX compared to being on the baseball field. Like everything's different. So I think it just allowed me to kind of relate to a wider audience of athletes, I guess, you know, and now having my own kids who play soccer, which I never played in my life. My daughter plays soccer. So my son's a skateboarder. My daughter's doing lacrosse now, which I never played as well. So, you know, I'm really getting a bigger, a broader scope of sports, I guess, that I can help other athletes with. That's awesome because I'm sure that that's got to be different. Look, I mean, I've played a bunch of sports. I got a daughter. She's older than my son. And I know she's going to be getting into the field hockey, maybe lacrosse, maybe soccer stuff. I didn't do. Yeah. And it, it's like, oh, shit, man. I'm, I'm going to have to be the, the SME or I'm going to be handing her off to someone else. Right. And that, that's, that, that's tough. So it's good to hear other perspectives when it comes to that. Yeah. No, it is. It's fun. It just the, the bottom line is the kids the kids also keep me young, man. You know, I've coached this is the first year, and not because of COVID, it just happens that my son is now a freshman, but this is the first year I haven't coached football in like a decade. Like my son's team or for high school team, either as a football coach or their strength coach. Actually, we're going back, my son's 14. So this is the first time in 14 years I have not been coaching football some way, some capacity. Wow. So just a different feel this fall. 
but it's, it's cool feel. It's just different. So that's actually 14 is a good age. We've had this talk on here before about like early specialization. I'd like to get your input on yeah. when, when should kids specialize in sports and when are you going to introduce the kettlebell? Like what, what age does that happen? Yeah, no, that's a great, you know, debatable topic as well, but you know, I, I am all for, and my kids know this, you get asked them that they're not allowed to specialize. They have to play multiple sports. And in my house, they have to play a sport each, each semester. It's just my rule, but specialization, you know, that that's a tough one because just the way the game has changed the way that there's so many private, like AAU basketball and all this other type of stuff that's out there for private methods, I guess, for getting athletes exposed. I'm kind of a big believer in you got to go until at least a junior playing multiple sorts. If you want to specialize as a senior going in to get your edge at that point, I, I think the kids are they're pretty much 18 anyways. I'm kind of like, okay, you're getting to that age. Go ahead. If you want to specialize, it's not my choice for them, but I see why again, it's an individual case for each kid as well. So, you know, it's hard to, hard to pinpoint when every kid should do something like that. Right. What age do you start them on simple and sinister? What age does that happen? <laughs> you know, my kids are just really starting to swing bells now. My daughter learned a couple of years ago. Well, she's probably 14. My son is learning at 14. I kind of wait. Honestly, I wait till they're just coordinated enough to do it. Do they have a solid deadlift? Do they look good in their, their baseline movements or foundational movements? Once they're there, I'll teach them. And I find out that once, you know, and I teach everything from an athletic stance. I'm like, you know, Show me your, your, you know, your, your shortstop stance. Show me your linebacker stance. You know, what does that look like? Then I adjust it to the bell and they athletes tend to pick it up quicker. If they're sport field sport athletes. And if, if they don't get it, I put the bell down for a while and I go back to deadlifting, maybe some speed deadlifts of really lightweight just to kind of get the hip snapping. But, you know, I love bells, but believe it or not, most of my clients don't like kids don't learn them from me. They're usually gone before I get a chance to, to actually teach them bells, true bells. I'm talking like swings and snatches, all the ballistic type stuff. They, they're always going to gobble squat and deadlift them and press them and things like that. But I'm talking ballistics um, right now. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with you about the specialization. I would even say, you know, almost even waiting till college. My, my point is that if your kid is special, like you don't have to ask, like, you know, it, you know, they're going to be beating the shit out of everyone in their sport. And they're probably going to be good at three sports. Yep. You're not going to, it's not going to be like, you're 15 and then you specialize and that gives you the edge to be a D one athlete. They're kind of, you kind of come out of the box of D one athlete. Like there's no world in which I'm going to be, you know, if I'd have specialized at seven, there's no world in which I, I'm a D one athlete. You know, I'm just not that guy. So, you know, I think a lot of people are that way. And if parents were honest and, and they had, and again, I say this now, you know, I, my kids are super young and I don't know what I'm going to be like as a parent when they're older, but, but I think that, the, the early specialization to me is just one of the, the worst trends we have going here. I think it is too. Overuse injuries through the roof with it. So I just don't. I loved your, your, the, literally the reason I messaged you is because you had a video up on your Instagram of pouring, what was it, coffee? Oh, yeah, yeah. Into my a coffee. cup about overtraining. Let's talk about yeah. that a little bit because, yeah. for one, I think it's interesting that you're using lifts like the deadlift. I mean, I, I guess. It makes sense, but in my mind, it's a little counterintuitive. I would think almost the kettlebells would be able to build those, I guess I could say less dynamic movements. I'm not sure. But when you're going into training the, your kids, other people's kids, where's the line? How do you draw it? And where do you know when you're, when you're filling that cup too much and it's overflowing? <laughs> that well, was good. Yeah, that, is, that is a tough one. 
honestly, it's, oh God, there's so many factors, so many layers. I'll tell you a quick funny story. To, just yeah. it, it, it resonates maybe with me as well. So I, I was training my daughter's soccer team and I trained them to get them ready for spring. So we're in the spring now. They do spring ball, a lot of them. But they also play lacrosse or, or softball or some other sport. You know, they're, they tend to be pretty much multi-sport athletes. They were like 13 or 12 at the time or something. I don't remember. So I've had these girls now for almost, I think it was almost two years I've been working with roughly the same group of girls. And they were doing phenomenal. Strength was going through the roof, their speed, their, their just, their just confidence was boosted, which is a big thing. That's the other thing with trained athletes, young ones. You, get, you build their confidence up quick with just their improvements in the weight room. But anyways, to get back to the story. So after a couple of weeks in our spring, they just kept coming in oh this hurts that hurts i don't know you know whining about stuff then you know one's got a pulled hammy one's got a pulled hip flexor one's got this going on that going on and i'm like what is going on i ended up having like and they're all telling me this so i'm like i've never had this happen in my life ever like all my kids are getting hurt like what am i doing wrong so i'm reevaluating my programming i'm like okay we're gonna back down way down we end up doing like practically like all dynamic stretches and yoga for like two weeks and i'm like If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late, so having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash proven grit. Check it out. What is going on? Well, come to find out, every day in school, they had this, this charity 5K, this charity run that school put on. Every single day in gym class and lunchtime, they were running laps around the school. And each class was competing against another class to see who could get the most miles in a day. So they were running all day long, then training with me, then going to their sport, whatever that was for their practice. And here's a kicker. This is what got me a little snippy. And that's why you saw my cup video. I had a few of those out for a while. I had to pull them down. But the sport coach, it was a lacrosse coach or somebody. I forgot who. I think it was a lacrosse coach. He lost at a tournament. They went to a tournament. and he lost, They lost like three out of four games. They played horrible. This is like we're getting into probably into April at this time, like April, even early May. And the kids were just overtrained, getting beat up, all getting hurt. Well, they played so bad that the coach said that they were not conditioned anymore. So what do you think he did as a coach? Ran him into the ground. Half his team was injured. 
Yeah. So once I, I finally I figured out that they were running every day for this, you know, 5K thing that the school put on, I'm like, oh my God. It was just everything led back to overtraining. They were just doing too much and they were getting hurt. And I'm talking, they were dropping like flies. It, it's something I never witnessed in my life before. Yeah, the, the listen to your body thing is really important. It's especially important when you're, you know, 14, 15 years old or younger, because your body shouldn't be telling you much, right? Like <laughs> Kids bounce back so much. If they're if they're pulling hammies and hip yeah. flexors and stress fractures, it's like, oh, whoa. Yeah, no, it was unbelievable. So, yeah, that kind of led to my little mini rant you saw. <laughs> Good, <laughs> Just, I liked it. I liked yeah. it. So. so to pivot a little bit from that, talking about overtraining, I saw in your bio you're, you're a Spartan race mm-hmm. coach. So h- how do you manage load in a, a population like that? Because I don't know much about the Spartan race world, but I mean, those guys and girls are, are logging some serious volume. Yeah, they are. Yeah, there's a whole Spartan attitude. Just, you know, <laughs> it's it's tough to manage. So I don't know how to tell you. It's it's hard to manage. You can't almost sometimes because their mentality is go, 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 go. So I guess start like telling us a little bit about like a Spartan event for people who don't know what that is. Like, oh, okay. What's yeah, involved yeah. in something like that? Yeah. So Spartan event is a, a classic obstacle course racing. You, know, you have walls, you got to get over ropes, you got to climb spears, you got to throw, jump over some fire at the end, barbed wire under things like that. So you're jumping, crawling, carrying heavy sandbags, you know, going up the side of a mountain. So depending on the venue you pick, like if you're in the Northeast, like me, like we go to Killington, home of the beast, it's, it's insane. You're going, you start off the race going straight up the face of the mountain for a mile, carrying a 60 pound sandbag. So it can really, (laughs) it can get you. And what's Uh the distance on an event like that? So here's the thing. This is what I love about Spartan. There's a little something for everybody. There is stadium races now, which are about a 5k. There are sprint races, which are in that three to five mile range. There are supers, which are eight to 10 miles. There's the beast, which is 13 miles. The ultra beast, 26 miles. <laughs> and now we have what's called DecaFit. And DecaFit is a new contest, which didn't really get launched because of COVID. I think we had one event we were able to get before everything hit. And that is more like a classic, I'm not going to say well, it's kind of like a CrossFit or something like that, where it's getting through as many stations as you can for time. You know, you have oh, a certain cool. amount of reps you got to do at each station plus the running piece. So there's a little something for everyone. Now I'm a bigger guy, like, you know, 230 pounds. So I'm not doing the ultra beasts and the beasts. Like I'm done with that. So I do the stadiums. I like the quick, short, fast, 40 minutes and under type stuff. That's, that's where I kind of thrive these days. But Annex, that's Spartan in a nutshell. <laughs> and, no, that's very cool. And then what do you, are you like consulting? Are you coaching? Are you? So, yes, I am one of their Spartan instructor, their course instructors. We have a certification called the Spartan SGX certification. And what it is, it's more of a holistic approach to, to training. We, we, of course, hit body weights, our main gigs for exercises, but with the running piece and just everything from programming to basic nutrition concepts like we don't say how to eat we just give you some some concepts to go with to obstacle specialist type stuff like what are the tricks and strategies to get up a rope to get over a wall to throw it's very crossfit i mean it's it's not crossfit obviously but it's kind of its own little thing yeah yeah, it's it's cool that's cool you know spartan's the biggest obstacle course company in the world right now and they're making a bid to get in the olympics to make it an olympic sport i should say it's it we're global it's huge so 
Has yeah. it just blown? What was the other one? Tough Mudder out of the water? Yeah, they actually bought Tough Mudder. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So hell yeah, yeah they're that's big. great. So, yeah. Awesome. So I'm just you know, I've had the honor of, of coaching for them now for I think going on six years. I mean, we had a huge schedule this year; it would have been great, but didn't happen. COVID shut it all down. So a lot of this, <laughs> a lot of Zoom calls. Joe DeSena, he's he's the founder of Spartan, right? He he was on Rogan recently, and he yes. was he, yes. he's quite a character to listen to. He is. Do you have much interaction with Joe, or or anything you can, you can tell us about about him and his background? Yeah, no, he's a former Wall Street guy that was into all these crazy endurance events, and he just wanted something to test the human spirit, you know, build better humans, as we say. And he created originally the Death Race, which is a whole nother thing <laughs> you know up to 72 hours of just you know hiking mountains carrying things 500 burpees at a time with your backpack you know sitting oh. in cold water it's like yeah really testing yourself mentally as well as physically so joe is big on the mental piece as well as the physical as a spartan and which he eventually formed spartan so yeah he's just a very interesting guy <laughs> carries so, a around wherever he goes too interesting little side tidbit a what Kettlebell, wherever he goes. Nikhil Bell, no matter where he goes, he has it. That reminds me of one of my favorite movies. I know as a football player, I hope, given your your age and your background, I hope you've seen the program before. Of course, Latimer and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're, uh, we're Omar Epps has to carry the football around all day. So, so can you knock the kettlebell out of this guy's hand? Or do you- <laughs> Probably not. He's got nah, a nah, he's, steel, man. Grip the steel. <laughs> he's a beast. So what's your experience? Me and Nick love CrossFit. Rob dabbles. Rob's a, Rob's a closet CrossFitter. He, 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 he just still, won't define it. He just yeah, won't, he won't define yeah. it. He loves it. He tells all his friends to do it, but he won't do it. He's too cool to actually go to a box and do it. So what's your experience with CrossFit? And do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you see some value in some of those workouts and some of the programming? Or do you, do you kind of like to go your own way? You know, here's the thing with CrossFit. And this is my opinion. Take it however you want. You know, the bottom line is they want good things to happen. Their goal is to, to improve you. I love their community. I mean, God, I copied everything I couldn't with my business and their community because they did, they did it right with that. I just don't choose the same roads they pick to get to the same destination. That's all. I just have different roads, different methodology, certain things. You can, well, if you've watched my videos, you'll see my little rants about burpees and things like that. There's just certain things and Spartan too, not just CrossFit, but there's just certain things I like done a certain mentality. And it goes back to athletics and I'll just, I'll pick on the burpee because it's, it's just, been hot topic right now for me i do burpee a certain way i want like no worm looking body i want you to come down be athletic keep a nice tight core pop up explode up and i'm not talking just an inch off the ground i'm talking jump off the ground like an athlete like you're blocking a field goal and i will typically never do more than 10 burpees in a row because i'm exhausted i'm done i've given everything i had to those 10 burpees so i liken it very much to like an individual play on football like Every single play is an all-out effort in football. And I think every single burpee should be an all-out effort. Every single Olympic lift should be an all-out effort for the most part. I mean, I'm not saying load it up with everything you got, but it's supposed to be fast switch and explosive. So I think of it that way. So when I see burpees or ugly snatches for time in the CrossFit, I think of me sitting on a free throw shooting free throws. And if I just... It's like I'm shooting, I'm trying to miss, just get close to the area and not actually get it in. So I think of every rep I do, every rep 
is like a free throw. Everyone should be perfect. Granted, I'm not going to make everyone perfect. My goal is every single one is a perfect director. Unfortunately, when you put the clock on a crossfit, that doesn't happen. It's out the window. I love that. Well, especially when you're like, let's use the snatch, for instance, lightweight, 95 pound snatches. They're just muscle snatches. Yeah. The best in the, the best in the world can do that. But everyone else, mm-hmm. I mean, what are you getting out of it? You know, the, you, you're on your toes. You're catching the thing. You're not fully extending. It's an absolute shit show. You know, 20 minutes or 20 minutes, 20 reps in. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I get you. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. I worked at a CrossFit for two years. When I sold my business, came up here. That was the first place I went to because the woman was a Spartan coach. Hmm. And we got along great. And I did my thing. She did her thing. When she did a CrossFit, like I did the opens. I just did pretty much every rep how I would coach you. So my times on certain things were not good. If there was pull-ups involved, it wasn't too good. I did everyone's script. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't do too well. Handstand push-ups, I refused to kip. So it took me longer. Just how I am. I've had too many shoulder issues to play around kipping and neck issues to play around kipping. Kipping handstand push-ups are so stupid for your neck. Yeah. So I just, kipping, I, kipping handstand push-ups are, you know, somebody, oh, somebody who sucks at kipping handstand push-ups and treats necks. Yeah. Probably the worst movement you could do. I, I don't think there's a good defense. And, let, and you have a pretty solid neck. There is no defense for a kipping handstand push-up. And I, if it's in a workout, I really want to get a good score. If it's in an open, I'll do it. But other than that, there is no point. I'll do strict ones just to see how many yeah. I get. But strict, the strict is a great workout. And Nick's really good at the strict. I don't think Rob, Rob does them. Rob, do you do any handstand push-ups? Only kip on the handstand push-up. <laughs> Off, and I only use the rebound for my neck. Okay. <laughs> no perfect. triceps. Yeah. Yeah, no, zero triceps. <laughs> zero. <laughs> All right, Todd, I, I need you to go off on the American versus the Russian swings that you brought it up to start with. We're talking about CrossFit. We've talked about this on here before. Let, break it down for us. What is the American swing? What is the Russian swing? And why does the American swing suck? All right. Well, again, it depends on who you talk to. I, I want you to go skip Bayless hot take. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you get a little hot water. Oof. All right. No. So, all right. If you go back to when I learned the American swing, like true CrossFit, what you'd see on all the videos. All it is is just throwing a kettlebell overhead. It's this ugly, crappy thing where you get shoulder impingement. It's made for scoring. That's it. I mean, it was designed to to be scored. Whereas a hard style swing, I mean, to me, that is, it's all athleticism. It's explosion from the hips. It's posterior chain. It's fast twitch muscles. It's not a glorified squatty looking front race that impinges your shoulders. So I don't know. I don't really have much nice things to say about it. Now, I will say, if you have the shoulder mobility to do it, you can do a hard style American swing. You can. Because I've taught it at the CrossFit boxes I've been at. And you'd be amazed that my scores have been just as good as those doing those ugly. What do you mean hard style? Basically, you, you swing it from your hips. You just bring, it's, it's basically a two-handed snatch, hard style, two-handed snatch. Oh, got it. Oof. So you can make it. You can make the American swing pretty much Russian style, hard style with a little bit of practice and you it, it's actually i used to love it because it's a break for me in any of the crossfit wads i did it was like a wicked break <laughs> just like 24 kilos oh yeah it's easy you watch everyone suffer and i'm just like okay boop, 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 boop. that's where i got my break and then they go tipping pull-ups and i get crushed but you know <laughs> right, right. you know what is more ig stalking is that your home gym that you post a lot of videos out of yeah yeah that's my it's the gorilla den 
Dude, the gorilla oh. den looks sick. Tell it, us about that. Cool little spot. So that came about because, well, I sold my gym before I moved up to New Hampshire six years ago. And I've always wanted something in the house just so I could have freedom to do what I want when I want. Yeah. And it just started out with basically kettlebells and pull-up bars. And then, you know, as you go, you add tools, toys, I should say. And then as soon as, you know, COVID hit, I, you know, kind of scrolled away a couple barbells and plates, made sure I had that. I've got some more kettlebells, the heavy big boys, got a bunch of those just so, yeah, I didn't know how long this was going to go on. I just wanted to have everything I wanted on site. So I built it. It just it's grew. A cool looking area. Yeah, I did that. That was all pallet wood. I took pallets, sanded them all down, put them up just to give it a cool little vibe. Yeah. Now, you do know, you have a piece yeah. of uh, exercise equipment in there? Do you have like an echo bike? You strike me as an echo bike type guy. No, I wow. only, Shocking. I'm not a bike man. I get out on the real thing. I'm oh, very yeah. like, you know, if you get, you remember, uh, was it Rocky Four? With, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, what well, was it Rocky Four? Of course it was Rocky yeah. Four, Todd. Yeah. Well, I'm, more, <laughs> I'm more Rocky in the mountains in, in Russia than uh, Ivan. You know, Ivan Drago, he has all the toys. Give me the raw stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll push my car, I'll get out there, mountain bike, hike lift whatever logs in the back and you know taking a bunch of trees down chopping wood all that good stuff so that's more what i like todd give us some guidelines for the for the home gym when you're picking out kettlebells like if we say it's such a versatile tool like what what weight should a beginner start with does the competition handle matter can it be the one that are wrapped in like the polyurethane shit or can those just go in the <laughs> trash like what, what are we doing with the kettlebells how do we pick them out? oh uh, yeah i well i personally like you know the the iron one's best, the black iron, you know, simple black. That's my favorite one. I will say I've grown very fond of the comp bells because they are all cool, the same size. So it does change some things like doing two-handed swings and snatches and things with double bells. Like, you know exactly how it's going to be every time. And the handle is smoother. I will say it's nice and smooth. I do like the comp bells a lot. I just don't have them because I, I learned on the other style. So I just went with them. Yeah, if they have weird colors, unless you paint them yourself, I'm not getting those polyvinyl covered things. Usually those are cheap ones. Usually, not always, usually. There's, you know. Yeah, no, what sizes should you use? I'll go with the classic, you know, strong first recommendation, basically a 24 for a male, kilo bell, 16, 12 to 16 for a woman. Start with that, go from there, at least a smaller one for pressing for most people. So for a woman, I generally recommend, if I could give three, I like three, everything's in threes with me. For a woman, 24 kilo bell, a 16 kilo, and either a 10 or 12, whatever she could press. I start with that. For a man, I like him to have like a 16, a 24, and a 32 to start minimum. Because most people are underpowered when they're swinging two-handed. So like a 24 kilo bell for a guy swinging two-handed is a joke. Like you should, that should be one hand only. Like my women, my moms, they used to have a boot camp called Bus Stop Moms. I mean, their baseline two-handed swing was a 32 kilo bell. So that's what they did for reps, like no problem. So that's what I think. I think most people are underpowered. But, and then once you have those three that you're kind of comfortable with, then you get the matching set for each of them and move into doubles. So and, and what's the advantage of the doubles? Is that getting more into like complexes or just giving you different options for strength movements? It's just different options. But I mean, well, yeah, it's different options, but more variety. I mean, you can do most complexes with a single bell and just switch sides to the other side. But when you start, you know, you take two 24 kilo bells and start swinging them and cleaning them and snatching them. Let me tell you, you're sucking some crazy wind. You know, that's a hundred and was that 106 pounds moving quickly if you're swinging it, snatching it, cleaning it. 
That's and, a and I always say that double 24 kilo front rack front squat. That's a humbler right there. Like you can, if you can front squat 225, even 24 pound or 24 kilo bells will, mm-hmm. will humble you if you don't have great technique. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. I mean, once you get it, I love like my favorite is actually double bells. That's my favorite. So if you watch any of my stuff, you'll see a lot of double bell work just because I just get so much more out of it. I think I do a lot of unilateral, of course, but I just love doubles. Nick, what'd you end up getting? Like a 204 pound bell? Is that what your most recent purchase was? No, 124 is my highest. <laughs> All right. And it's it's get, good. And uh, let me tell you, it ain't single handed. I mean, I could do it, but it would look real sloppy. Probably yeah, wouldn't yeah. Probably wouldn't work well for me. <laughs> but it's crazy when you see guys that are good with these things. They can flip them around at 80 or 90 pounds. <laughs> I'm clearly not trained, okay? <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. No, I mess around with that once in a while. I'm honestly though, I just like to get in, get out my workout. I don't have time to to juggle bells too much. <laughs> it's not on my my to do list, I guess we'll call it. Good. I, I'm glad to hear you say that. I think there's real value. So, you know, in the rehab setting, sometimes I'm teaching people starting with the kettlebell deadlift and then hopefully working our way to a two-handed swing. I think there's real value in taking somebody. And one thing that drives me nuts in in, a, in CrossFit settings at times you see people learning a kettlebell swing with a kettlebell that's too light. I really think that a proper hinge taught without the kettlebell and then loading the heavy kettlebell is a way to understand that force that they need to drive forward with their hips. You know, like I don't think you can generate that force with a kettlebell that is is too light. What do you think about that thought? 100% on target with that. The, the bell becomes the, the instructor, bottom line. Like, mm. Yes. If you can front load a bell, it's too light. Like front raise it. It's too light. And that's what you see. You see people front raising it and doing a pseudo squat front raise. And that teaches, I think that teaches bad habits too. Okay. Go back to the throws. I don't, I don't practice free throws to miss. I don't shoot to miss. So why am I going to practice a poor pattern over and over and over again? I'm just not going to learn it. I'm never going to learn it. So load the thing up, actually feel the weight pulling you. And if you're afraid of your back hurting, you probably, you're just not ready. You know, like people you, say, need, you, need, you, need to learn, you need to learn a hinge first. If you don't have the hinge, you have yeah. no business picking yeah. up the kettlebell. Exactly. Go back. Or, and or, or just probably while you're starting with the deadlifts. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Come full circle here. Yeah. 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 So if you're not ready, you're not ready. Put the bell down, go back to deads, you know, and get, own them. All right. Well, we're going to start wrapping up here. But one thing we got to, we'd be remiss not to ask is where, where'd the red gorilla nickname come from? <laughs> got to know the story. Yeah. Well. The, the PG version is real simple. It's from my fraternity, PG, Phi Gamma Delta, University of Rhode Island, Tampa Rope. I was, you know, a bigger guy. I had a lot more flowing red locks back then. I don't do well in the sun. I get very bright red. When I play sports, I get bright red. I'm just, I have no pigment. I don't know. <laughs> so I was always a little hairy, a little extra red, red in the face. There if I drank, is. you could see right away, I get, you know little raccoon eyes. And I don't know, one night I was scaling the walls of my fraternity house to see what my brothers were doing in another room. And I ended up jumping from shutter to shutter and just scaling <laughs> the house. And the nickname was born. It's good, good to hear a fellow, fellow frat dog on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 the biggest Fiji fan. We had our uh, we we had a couple of uh, fights at the Fiji on our campus. Uh-oh. But uh, oh, other weird. than that, was uh, Alpha Cairo. Okay, Gettysburg College. There was a there was a Fiji chapter there. I don't know. 
I think you might. I think you might have been able to choke slam the whole fraternity at once. So I don't know if it, <laughs> All right, Gettysburg. I bet. Yeah, I don't think they're. They, they weren't the meatballs. You know, you you would have you would have uh, you would have owned those. Yeah, guys, we're so. we're a unique breed. I, we're more Animal House combined with the new uh, the one with Farley there. <laughs> What's that one? We're, not Chris Farley. What's his name? Oh, the old school. Old school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was we were a combo of. There you go. That's great. Well, that's a great nickname. All right. Well, we always ask three or four questions to to guests, and we're going to start with the most important one, and is what's your favorite non-alcoholic seltzer? Ah, I like SodaStream. We have that at home. There you go. So a unique answer. I love it. And I put bitters in it. I love ginger bitters are my favorite in there. Awesome. Perfect. All right. We'll give it a try. Beautiful. Dan, what's what's your quick header? So back to, uh, I, I, I'm going to switch directions here. What's your favorite fraternity story? Give me a Fiji story besides the Red Gorilla. <laughs> oh, no, no, again, I, I, if it gets canceled, this thing gets edited. So if it's canceled yeah, culture, yeah. We'll, we'll fire it out. Oh my God. There's just too many. I mean, it's just, it has to be sort of PG. I don't know. No, no, it doesn't. That, that, that's, if I don't want to incriminate myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I understand. I'll, I'll switch directions. I know you say you like hiking. What are some other hobbies you got, you know, that you like outside of the gym? You know, I know with your kids, but what are some, what are some of your hobbies? <laughs> From frat stories to what are your hobbies? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> what a 180. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny frat story after. But no, so outside hobbies, one of my newer ones, which I'm really digging is fly fishing. That's been a great one. I can't say I'm too good at it yet, but I am enjoying it. I hate golf, but for whatever reason, fly fishing, just, it's, I don't know. It's like meditating. Yeah. Hiking. I'm back into mountain biking again. I told you about my BMX year. So now I'm back into mountain biking. Uh, I want to start hitting some of the, the downhill mountain bike parks around here, but I have to build a new bike. So I'm working on that. I snowboard all winter. Yeah. Like I said, hiking, I'll be peak bagging, hopefully, meaning get, you know, getting a few peaks in before it gets too cold. I think that's it. Oh, basketball. Oh my God. How did I forget basketball? Uh, basketball, believe it or not, is actually my favorite sport to play. I've been playing as long as I can remember. But COVID shut us down, obviously. So I'm hoping the men's league will pick back up soon. But yeah, actually, that's probably two to three days a week I play competitive. Oh, that's great. That's yeah, awesome. or was until this. We like to ask our guests like uh, their standard for strength in the gym. So yours has to be kettlebell specific. What? kettlebell standard define somebody is strong give us like a movement a weight give us something so i think you should be able to swing half your body weight for reps 10 20 like no problem power i think you should be able to well deadlift i mean i love deadlift i think you should be able to deadlift for a man twice your body weight for a woman one and a half times your body weight those are the main ones really like a push and a pull like that's pretty much it for me other than that like do what you like. Do what I, you like. I like the swing one. That's it. It, it kind of goes with your point that most people underpower it like that. You should be able to like 200 pound guy should be able to swing a hundred pounder for reps. Like yeah. that. I think that's a really yeah. good standard. Like a go-to weight. Like people get, think I'm nuts that my warm up. one of my warm ups is with the beast belt, 106 pounds. I just swing it 10 times. I gobble squat it 10, eight times. And I just go to six. I forgot what I, my six is. I think it's three and three single leg deadlifts. You know, I end it with a get up on each side. Like that's like my go-to warm up. That's like, am I ready to do something today? It's kind of like yeah, a you. You get up with the one hundred and six as part of your warm up. Yeah, Ooh. that's impressive. Well, yeah, but but th- remember, that's the last thing I get to. So really, yeah. I've done other stuff to warm up. It, it's almost like I use it as a 
am I ready day? Like if I can do the get up on each arm, no problem. I know I'm ready to lift some heavy stuff. If I struggle and don't feel right, I back down. Man, so, I, I love that. Like a systems check. check before you get. Yeah, into it really is. Not that. So put, that's, uh, that's my favorite tidbit from today. I love that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> just, just to get some credit from you here, Todd. I we had an episode called the five great. This going to be a frat story again? <laughs> no, no, no. I promise not. Uh, I had a, uh, we had an episode the five greatest exercises of all time ever. I threw the Turkish get up in. And these two guys are sucking up to you right now, but they both shit on no, me for it. I'm not sucking up to you, Todd. I don't think it's a top five exercise. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> you don't either, by the way. You use it as a warm-up. Well, my warm-ups are the most important part of my workout. So. Oh, okay, there you go. There you go. Damn they it. are. I, you All get, right. My well, workouts are three exercises generally. That's it. My warm-up, it's probably 20 if you broke it down just yeah. the way it is. Number one PR song. You got you got a big heavy deadlift coming. You're with the boys in the gym. Right. Depends what I'm doing. You know. Uh, I know. I know. What, what's the song you're throwing on? We're gonna throw it on our playlist that we have. I I love anything Metallica, but if I want to just get a little amped up, you know, a song I really like and it still does it for me. Is Sabotage Beasties. Oh yeah. Wow. This is first Beastie on the list. That's a that's a great yeah. choice there. I just like that song a lot. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. It's, on the, it's on the playlist. All right. I love it. We appreciate the time, man. This has been great. Yeah, no, it was awesome. It's good to, to meet you guys, get to know you guys out there a little bit. So. Yeah, we'll be posting this in the next day or so, and we'll uh, we'll tag in all that, all that right, fun cool. stuff. Yeah, I'll absolutely share it. So. Tell us, uh, just if you can give the guys your uh, Instagram handle, where to find you online, if you have a website to plug, or anything you want to plug, uh, this is your opportunity. We really appreciate having you on, and we really appreciate the time. Yeah, no, I'm at... Uh, for Instagram, the Red Gorilla, it's the underscore red underscore gorilla. My website is coachcandio.com, and that's where I'll have all my um, online program that I'm working on. That should be out very shortly. And other than that, I'm just, you know, shoot me a message. It can be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter even. I don't use Twitter as much, but yeah, that's pretty. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. As you found out, you just messaged me. I, I responded. So... Thanks, Todd. All right, awesome. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Coach. Look forward to chatting in the future. Yes, sir. All right. Take care, guys. Yeah, bye. All right, so hopefully you guys liked that interview. Fun. Got to talk frat a little bit. You know, Dan perked up. That was pretty fun, Dan. I know you liked that at the end of a long Wednesday or Tuesday evening. Today, too, at work, so that was great. What do you guys have for uh, songs for the week for the playlist? We've got Kings of Leon here. So I'm a big fan of their older stuff. A lot of it's not really appropriate for the gym, but my party is a, is a decent one that's adaptable for, for your workout. So check that one out. Kings of Leon, my party. Got it. Dan, what do you got? I'm going to throw it out there, but I'm going to, I got two. Okay. And I want you, I, I'm going to give you final cut here, Nick, because I know you know both of these songs. The first one, I don't know if it's a, it, it really gets me going to the gym, but what about Sitting Sideways by Paul Wall? We yeah, Paul Wall fans. Well, I mean, no, it's a little, it's a little fan, Paul Wall fan anymore, but at one 2020, point, yeah. yeah, he was the king. The other one I have is a certain shade of green by Incubus. I'm leaning towards that. You like, like that, that one, Ross? Yeah. All right, we're First going to album Fungus Among Us. That oh, Fungus yeah. Among Us. Yeah. All right, that 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 is one of my favorite Incubus songs. That song is heavy. I love it. Yeah, I've really gotten into Incubus recently. They're they're good. Um, I don't have one this week, but. Rob sent the group text something and I've been sending it to everyone and it's a YouTube video and it's if Blink-182 wrote Semi-Charmed Life. Really great. I mean, right. really great. That guy was awesome. 
So you didn't reply in the group text. I figured you you didn't you didn't watch it. No, I watched it probably fifteen times. That's probably <laughs> why I didn't respond because I've been watching it so much. I just clicked it and I went away from the group thread. It was awesome. It, it brings you back to like American Pie, like those days. Yes, it really does. It. it was great. Yeah, that's good. good. Any books this week, guys? Let's just use uh, Todd. Enter the kettlebell. He, he brought up by Pavel. That's a that's a great entry to to training kettlebells. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. All right, cool. We got a couple more guests lined up next couple of weeks. We're gonna have a strength and conditioning coach or physical trainer, or physical therapist for the Miami Dolphins. Correct, Dan? Yep, Miami Dolphins coming on. Really fun. Really fun. Cool. Yeah. All right, boys. 